This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. So guys, my name is Gabriel, Gabriel, whatever makes your boat float. I'm fine with that. Gabe, that works. Um, there's my beautiful wife, Michelle. Show everybody how beautiful you are. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> She's here with me, and it's such a privilege for us to be here. Can I see quickly with a raise of hands? Who was there this weekend at the School of the Supernatural, the SOS? Oh, there's a lot of you. Like it, man. Why is it quiet now? The whole weekend you guys were loud, and now you're like soft here. Um, but I'm so privileged to be with you. Um, it's been such a blast. Man, God is doing amazing things in Stellenbosch. And um, just for all the students that are here, you don't yet understand what you're a part of. But enjoy it. This is not normal. It's supposed to be. It's not normal. But God is doing some amazing things in your guys' midst. And I believe that um, over the next season, there's a lot of amazing things going to happen in this community. So, amen. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, So, firstly, can I quickly just see with a raise of hands if the lights are on, who got healed? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Okay, guys, I, I, I just want you quickly to think through this. Twelve people got healed. We didn't do anything. We just came into the room, hung out. Imagine what happens in the spirit then when the church comes together that we don't even, that we don't even know about. What happens in our hearts what are our pains and disappointments that God just fixes and we don't even realize it just because we get together? I believe that there's so much power when we choose to come together to worship Jesus. Something happens. There's a reason the Bible says do not neglect getting together. It's not because like we're bored and none of us are busy. All right? It's because there's power in us coming together. Um, so this morning, uh, sorry, this evening, I want to share with you guys... Um, a message that I really feel is specifically for this service. I'm not going to preach it the next one. I'm going to do something else. Um, so if you're in the room, I want you to know that this is for you. And um, I'm gonna, I want to share something about being wild. I feel like there's something that God wants to impart, that he wants to give to you guys, an invitation to what does it mean to be wild. And I think that so much of Christianity... Um, when I just got saved, it's interesting. People were like, oh, you're Gabe, sis. This might do it this. If you just meet Jesus, you're kind of crazy and wild, but it kind of changes you mature. And I'm like, so you tell me that I'm stoked out of my brain if I just met somebody amazing and I get less excited as I get to know them better. Tell me the logic in that. Right? This is the most irrational argument I've ever heard in my life. So you telling me that I'm really pumped when I meet God and I'm zealous and the better I get to know the best, wisest, most beautiful, perfect being in the universe, the less excited I get about His perfection and beauty. Right? That isn't like, that's, that's a stupid argument. That, like, that doesn't make sense to me. But I think a lot of times we say stuff like that to excuse our own passivity. So we see on fire young people and we go like, oh, shame, I was also like that. Right? Instead of going like, man, they're provoking me, reminding me of my first love. And one of our biggest dangers is not that we try too hard, but that we settle at something less than who we really are. 
right? When I, in 2017, um, Bethel was at the Voortrekker Monument thing, we had a thing there, and it was actually, it was pretty amazing. It was like probably 20,000 people. It was epic. Was anybody there by any chance? Jeremy Roll, there's well, a few, oh yeah, of course. Um, they're Pochis, that's why I said that. Um, <clears throat> but it was amazing at this event, and God spoke to me one day and he said, at that event, and he said to me, Gabe, I want to give you a few things. And he, said, he gave me three things, and the one thing he said to me is, never get tame, stay wild. Stay wild, never allow yourself to be tamed. And since then, that has kind of become like a core message, a part of my life. Because I realized that it is not difficult to become tame. It is not difficult to build a life that is so comfortable, that is so easy, that's so the South African dream, whatever that might be, right? That I actually don't need God at all, right? That I come to church, I do whatever is required of me culturally, but in my heart, I'm 10 miles away from God and nobody would know it. And, and, and something in me kind of got irritated with this thought because I saw myself in that season. I pastored a church. We went on tons of mission trips, but my heart was cold. My heart was far away from God. And the reason primarily was is I, I allowed the rhythms of life to tame me. I allowed normality to dictate what my life should look like. And I was dissatisfied. There was a dissatisfaction. And what the enemy does when we're dissatisfied, he points the dissatisfaction at God. And then we start asking questions, but God, is this all there is? I thought you said da 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 da. I thought you said da 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 da. And God is there going like, hey, you chose to make comfort God instead of me, and now you're blaming me for the God that you're worshiping. And I believe this evening, God wants to shake some comfortable boxes. He's in the business of destroying idols. Right? He loves it. Right? And whatever we can't say no to, we bow to. Whatever you can't say no to, you bow to. Let me say it differently. Whatever you check in with before you obey God is God. It's your budget. It's your wife and your husband. It's your children. Whatever you check in with before you say yes to Jesus is God. Your heel still owns. <laughs> Luckily my wife's in the front row, so I feel good. I feel like I'm, I've brought my own support. But we're never meant and we're never satisfied with the status quo. We're not meant to be in a never-ending rat race and to have so much comfort in our lives that we get anxiety because of too many options of comfort that I can give to myself. It's real, guys. One of my favorite quotes is, without vision, people perish. It's in the Bible, but then goes on and says, but without courage, dreams die. And I believe in this generation, God has called us to be a courageous group of people. To have the courage to be able to live outside the box, think in a different way, approach life differently, and not just to bow before the status quo. I remember when I got saved, I got saved and I, I was pretty horrible. If you want to hear my testimony, you can stay for the next sermon. Um, 
yeah, I just didn't have a good life. And I got born again, I played professional rugby, and I was about, <clears throat> save the month, I think, and I was sitting next to the field at a Curry Cup off-season training time and uh, putting on my boots, and these guys are running after a ball, and this thought comes to my mind, why are 30 guys running after a ball? That does not make sense. Okay? Now, in my world, that was blasphemy. Okay? You cannot think thoughts like that. That is evil. The God of rugby might smite you. All right? Which I honestly think is a demonic stronghold in this nation, to be honest. How many young boys give up their lives? Anyway, that's a conversation for another day. Um, <clears throat> But I sat next to that field and that thought came to my mind. And here's the problem if God speaks to you. You can never unhear it. Like if he like drops something in your heart, it's like, uh-oh. Like there's trouble now because I can never unknow what I know right now. And it's like this facade, this lure, this magic that rugby had over me, gone. Done. It's like, I, it was, what, this is stupid. Why do I do this? I get hurt all the time. Why do I run into people? I was like, stood up, called my agent, quit. That's what I did. Called him on the phone, done. And a lot of people were like, Gabe, what are you doing? It's funny, a month later, I got my biggest contract I've ever had. Literally a month later. I was like, what the heck? This is so strange, right? I think the enemy was trying to lure me one last time. It's like, oh, let's see if you can give him more money. Will he do it? And, and something in me just shifted. And I remember like, a lot of people that knew me from school, I worked out really hard to get where I was. I, yeah, I was, I loved playing rugby. But when the idol got exposed for what it was in my life, like it was gross to me. It's like, I, like guys, I, I'm, there's nothing wrong with rugby. Hear me. There's nothing wrong with it. Same as there's nothing wrong with money. Depends on if you're worshiping or not. But I think after I got saved, I might have played touch rugby once since then. It just, it was just so like, it's like if you're an alcoholic, don't go to a bar. It's not smart. It doesn't make sense. Okay? For me, it was just, it was different. But it was funny how many people came to me. It's like, Gabe, you gave your whole life. And I was like, I know. That's why I'm running away. Right? It almost killed me. Right? And so many people were so concerned because they were like, oh man, since you were 13, all that you wanted to be is a rugby player. And you were at the cusp. You were there. You could have had it. And why do you turn away from it right now? And I was like, because that, that was the wisdom of the world. God never required that of me. And when I was honest with myself, since the age of 12, I knew I was called for ministry. Rugby was just a, a thing that came alongside and, and tried to contend with the voice. But it was very convincing contending because it was culturally appropriate. And it was kind of the thing you do to be a man in South African Afrikaans culture. So there were so many voices telling me, this is the ultimate thing, do it and you'll be happy. And I sacrificed my life at the altar of sport and it was as empty when I made it than before it. And so many of you in front of me, I feel is getting bombarded by this voice that if you do this, you will be happy on the inside. And I want to warn you, you're going to get to the top of that pyramid and you have given your life to a God that cannot satisfy 
And you're going to stand on the top and look down and go like, what did I do with my life? So I'm reading something out of the Bible. Are we okay? Sweet. Matthew 14. Now, story about Jesus walking on water. We all know it. If you grew up in church, you probably should know it. Um, and then, hopefully, if you're in a Bible-believing church. And then, uh, but the story is a lot of stuff that I kind of want to point out a little bit, but I want to say this before I start. I relate way more to Peter than to John, right? John is like laying on Jesus' chest, right? Peter's like runs his mouth, says stupid things, gets in trouble, gets rebuked by Jesus, right? I'm way more Peter, right? I'm not like the cuddly, I hold you, I love you, Abba Papa. That's not, it's just not how I am. And so when I read the story, I so relate to Peter. And I believe there's like, in a good way, I actually mean it, I believe there's something of that heart that God wants to awaken in some of you. This heart that's like, I'd rather try to hard and fail than I will just be so careful to not mess it up. There's like a holy dissatisfaction I believe God wants to impart in your hearts. So I'm going to read through the whole piece and then I'm going to unpack a few of these sections. Immediately... Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he has dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later at night, he was alone, and the boat was already considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. It's so wild. Jesus is a boss. It's like, I'm not going to walk around. I'm going to walk over. <laughs> when the disciples saw him walk on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. What an epic story. Like, is, this is like one of, like the only other story that I feel is this like cool and like just weirdness is I think it's um, Elisha when one of the dudes is working with the cutting down wood and he's chopping down the tree and the head breaks and falls into the river and Elisha prays and the head of the axe starts floating. Like that's like the only other story that's like kind of crazy like this. Like just defines physics, like what is happening. There's just God showing I can do whatever I want. I'm the boss. You are not. But... Um, this, this piece of scripture, I love it, and there's a few things I want to point out. Now, firstly, you need to make up your mind to go like, this is not like a story. Okay, this is a real historical event that really happened. And that this Jesus that we serve, this God-man, really was on this earth, and he really did walk on water. And you need to make that choice, otherwise the story is going to be okay and not as epic as it really is. So we read this, and Jesus is praying, 
and um, all of his bros are on the boat on the way to the other side and Jesus is kind of done praying and instead of taking the long way around he takes a shortcut straight through and he walks on the water and what happens is is that these young men see something they've never seen right they see COVID-19 Okay, they see crisis. They see, I've lost my job. My friends don't like me. Right? Whatever you want to put in there. But they see Jesus walk on the water. And everybody freaks out. And they scream, it is a ghost. Well, I'm going to put it in our language. This is Satan. We better get out of here. This is the devil. We're in trouble. Help. Right? And they freak out. And they do what all of us do. Right, whenever crisis hits, we look at Satan, we blame him, and we're afraid. Okay, and, and, and all of them are freaking out. And then there's Pete, okay, the, this overzealous young guy, Peter, and he goes, like, Wait a second, right? There's something is happening, right? And, and, and he looks, and, and, and they say, Hey, Jesus says, Do not be afraid, it is I. And, and, and Peter sees Jesus and he says, okay, okay, if it is you, tell me to come. Now, it is, it is pretty interesting why Peter would say that. It says there, right? Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Why do you think Peter said that? Peter has walked with Jesus for a season now already. And this young man has been around when Jesus healed the lame, when he cast out demons, when he raised the dead, when deaf ears opened, blind eyes saw, lepers got healed. Like Peter has been with Jesus while Jesus had a 100% strike rate, never once did something happen that he did not say. And so Peter knew what happens when Jesus spoke to him, something happens. Nothing could happen if, there's, there's no chance that nothing could happen when Jesus speaks. So Peter here goes like, hey, everybody's screaming ghost. Jesus says, calm down, it's me. Peter goes like, hey, if it's you, Jesus, call me to come on the water. And the reason why is G Peter has never seen Jesus say something that could not happen. So in the midst of something they've never experienced, in the midst of a crisis that the world has never seen, Peter has the courage to say that if you would speak to me, whatever you say would happen, even if it is to come on water. And so many times in life as young people, and there's a few wise people here, I won't call them old, crisis hits, troubles hit, and we try to rebuke Satan, we try to like command the enemy to leave us alone instead of going like, Father, what are you saying? If you speak to me in this crisis, I know everything changes when I hear your voice. But a lot of times the problem is we wait till the crisis till we want to hear his voice. That was not the first time that Peter heard Jesus speak. He has had confidence in that voice. That's why in the moment of uncertainty, he could say, if you speak to me, I'll do it. And I believe this evening as we're gathering together, the first key, the first thing for you to be a wild person, 
somebody that gets out of this rut of what it means to just be in a religious circle of just living a life that like pleases everybody around you the first secret is that your life should be built upon hearing God's voice that your life should be built on the foundation that this God that we serve speaks to us and he longs to talk to us about everything he doesn't just want to talk to you about Sundays he doesn't just want to talk to you about your small group he wants to talk to you about business he wants to talk to you about your studies he wants to talk to you about your marriage he has an opinion about everything and when we build our lives upon his voice it says in Romans that faith comes by hearing faith does not come by trying it comes by hearing so when I hear his voice give his opinion about something in life it gives me the faith to do what he's asked me to do so here this young guy Peter gets out of the boat he starts walking and we read it says he walked out on the water and came towards Jesus now I don't know how that worked did he like step out his foot and it became like concrete like this like angels carry him I, I don't really know but I can't wait for the movie in heaven one day it's like this and David right and Goliath it's like I want to see the back play of the movie in heaven I hope somebody recorded it it's like it's gonna be epic <clears throat> it says if you read there he come he said Peter got out of the boat walked on the water and came towards Jesus verse 30 but then he saw say saw the wind and he was afraid and began to sink and this is so interesting that the thing that got Peter out of the boat was not seeing it was hearing the thing that got Peter to obey God and do the impossible was not looking at the circumstances or a man standing on water the thing that got Peter out of the boat was the very fact that he heard God's voice and so many times in life God invites us to do the impossible he gives us this idea, this business plan, whatever it might be. He tells us to go study this subject, right? And now you're studying engineering. is the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. You felt God said it, but all of a sudden you look at all of your work and you get gripped with anxiety. But you, you, you stepped into engineering by listening to his voice and all of a sudden your mode of relating to God changes from listening to his voice to looking at your circumstances and we begin to sink and all of a sudden this young man that heard the voice that made the blind see the deaf hear the dead raised looked at circumstances and bam he starts to sink and it's interesting it says he cried out Lord save me he did not cry out Savior he did not cry out teacher he did not cry out good person he cried out Lord what does Lord mean it means ruler it means king right that word Lord there was Peter declaring Jesus you are still above the storm you are still above the thing that frightened me you're still above the thing that made me sink and I and I love the meekness and humility of Peter and so many times in life God doesn't do it to us but he allows us to sink so that we can just get perspective again because when we heard his voice he was Lord we looked at the trouble we became Lord and now that we're sinking he's back as Lord and so many times in life we're sinking we're sinking we never cry out God help me 
I try to make 7,000 plans. I try to fix my own life. And I don't understand why I'm struggling to keep my head above water. And this is probably top three favorite things in the whole Bible that happens next. Verse 31 says, after Peter tried really hard to impress Jesus, right? After Peter beat himself to feel guilty for six weeks. After Peter uh, did 15 nice things. No. Immediately. Now some of you should get stoked out of your brain right now. Immediately. There was not a pause for effect. That's what I did now, right? Jesus had no pause for effect, okay? Immediately, Peter is drowning. He says, Lord, save me, help me. And it's like, bam, Jesus is there. It's like, it's as if Jesus was waiting. He's like, hey, will he call upon my name? Hey, will, will he reach out to me? Would he come to me in his weakness? And so many of us know a God that we were presented to us that's so far away that I need to impress him so much and then I might approach him on my holiest day and he might give me an ear that is not the God that we serve the God that we serve when we reach out call to his name immediately he is there to help us that is the type of God that he is it's the type of God that heals 12 people in worship without any of us asking for it he is better than you can imagine and we see as it goes on Jesus speaks to him now, and I want to I wanna just expound on this a little bit. Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And then Jesus says, oh, you could just go do wrong things again. Keep on sinning. You need to read what it says. It's super important. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? What does this mean? It means that Jesus, in his mercy and kindness, saves him. And disciplines him. This is so important, guys. Because the other side of Christianity, sometimes we get fed. Said, oh, love Jesus, just loves everybody, and you can do whatever you want and say sorry four thousand times and just love, 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 love. But here the, the example that Jesus gives us is that he is immediately there. He's the kindest being in the universe. But God loves us enough to discipline us when we do things wrong. He said to him, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? He didn't go like, I'm disappointed you're a horrible person. He, he, he brought a question to Peter to have a conversation. He did not call him something. He said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? So that Peter could have a conversation with him. Do you see the relational heart of the father? That in this moment of weakness, he does not spank Peter, but he actually asks a question to get to the heart of the problem to fix it. Now here's the wild thing about all of this, is that Peter walked back to the boat with Jesus. Right? Jesus helped him. I don't know if they held hands or whatever it was, but Jesus carried him. That would be epic. Imagine Jesus carried Peter. That would be, I've never thought about that. Right? That would be awesome. Right? <laughs> He probably could carry him. <laughs> he can do anything he wants. Um, and imagine they climbed into the boat and the other 11, how jealous they must have been. They're like, dang, I wish I thought of that. <laughs> I, 
right? And, and I believe that that's, that's who's sitting in this room is a group of people God wants to speak to in the midst of wildness of COVID, in the midst of all the uncertainty around us, that you will set your hearts to hear His voice so that you can become a sign and a wonder to a generation that they would ask, I want to get out of the boat next time as well. After this thing, do you know what happens with Peter? Every single one of the major revelations in the New Testament, he gets first. That Jesus is the Messiah. He's the first one to preach at Pentecost, which is today. He's the first one to get the revelation of the Gentile inclusion. And I believe this immature, overbearing, sometimes slightly arrogant young man, God chose to use him not because he was perfect, but because his heart was set to follow Jesus, even if it was in, in immaturity. And so many of us are waiting for maturity before we do anything with God. We wait till we're perfect. But here we see in the life of Peter, the person that's the most rebuked by Jesus in the New Testament, that God used him to be the leader of the church, to be a world changer. We're all saved because of his revelation, unless you're a Jew in this room. If you're not a Messianic Jew, you're saved today because of Peter's revelation. This young man that almost drowned in water. And I believe that the group of people in front of me, the message I want to bring to you today is that will you set your life to hear him? Will you set your life to listen to his voice speaking to you? Would you set your life not to live for the status quo, but to live according to what he says so that you can become to this generation of South Africans or wherever you're from, somebody that they can look to and that God can look to and say, I can trust that person with the dreams I have for their nation, for their works, and for the places they are called to. We are not chosen by God when we're perfect. We're chosen by God when we're willing and we can listen to His voice. So this evening, I'm going to do two altar calls. Okay? The first one is if you need to get saved here tonight, it's going to be a great night for you because there's going to be opportunity. And even afterwards at 7, you can get baptized. <clears throat> Which is a big deal. And the second altar call, I'll... I will, let me just do the first one first. So let me say this. I grew up in church. Um, I went to church every week, mostly with a hangover. And uh, after church, I went out to party more. Usually I went to Mystic Bur. It's my place of choice in Poch. And I, <clears throat> I remember one of my friends, so I grew up in a really good Christian home. And I'll tell all of those details in the next service. But um, So because I grew up in a Christian home, I knew about inner healing. I knew how to facilitate it. I just kind of knew some skills when it comes to facilitating wholeness and healing. And um, I remember still being using a ton of drugs, snorting cocaine in the bathroom. One of my friends, I was studying at her home. And after I'd done snorting the cocaine, I went out. Um, to a room and we're studying and all of a sudden she has a breakdown and she confesses this addiction she has and this da, 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 all this stuff so I sat down with her and I walked her through inner healing and led her to Jesus and she got saved and set free before I was saved okay now why do I share that I share that because God can speak through a donkey just because you do things for God doesn't mean you know him I'm pretty serious with what I'm saying right now. 
I would have died that night, I would have gone to hell. Just because I know how to lead people to God does not mean I know Him. Does not mean I'm born again. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.